0: santa putin swaps child same-sex parents for a mother and a father and gives football toy cars and a drum kit to boy being raised as a girl in anti-west propaganda video russian president vladimir putin has been portrayed as santa in an anti-western propaganda video released on the country's social media the film made by a production company called signal depicts santa putin swapping a photo of a child same-sex parents for one of a mother and a father gifting the boy being raised as a girl football toy cars, and a drum kit the video feeds into russian prejudices about europe and the united states which have been fueled by pro-kremlin propaganda during the war in ukraine to frame the conflict as a clash of values between russia and ukraine's western allies Everything said there was the truth, okay? Um, <clears throat> I, I, don't, I don't see where was the lie. Please tell me where is the lie. The clip has been surging on social media in Russia since it was posted providing a propaganda boon for a Russian leader as it was embarrassingly revealed China's Xi Jinping demanded a written explanation from Putin when he plans to end his war in Ukraine and as his war stretched past its 300th day okay after pinning the letter to Santa and placing it in his stocking over the fireplace the child wearing pink pajamas falls asleep on the sofa as the boy is nodding off a white-bearded father christmas appears with a face closely resembling putin's as he arrives russian composer Pietrov of dance of the sugar plum fairy from the nutcracker ballet begins to play carrying a red stocking santa putin is then shown busying himself around the room changing the decorations and replacing it Placing items deep to be girly with presents that the makers of the video consider to be more suitable for a boy. The camera pans around the room, showing presents placed throughout the these include the boy's shoes and other clothing, other male clothing, a football, a miniature drum set, as well as a statue of Jesus on the cross nailed to the wall. This is likely a nod to Russian propagandists often discussing a perceived erosion of Christian values in the West. The boy is also shown praying in the earlier clip. The presidents have replaced all the girly items such as the clothing that were scattered around the room before Putin's Santa arrives. Meanwhile, there are far more Christmas decorations with dozens of lights seen flashing in the room. All right. And basically, What can you say? All right. The parents don't have any rights in this country, in America. All right. Where, you know, in certain parts of this country, if you try to stand for your kids' rights and protect them, they could take your child away. It's been happening for years. All right. We're living in dangerous times, and Putin is just showing what he is protecting his people from when he's fighting Ukraine. I can't blame Yes, he has done some bad stuff, but Ukraine, all right, has openly, openly shown that they are Nazis, openly shown that they are for immoral behavior, okay? There's even videos out of Ukrainian soldiers brutally sodomizing a Russian soldier, prisoner. Yet the Russians, they are more humane with their prisoners. Okay? And I'll tell you this. I won't be, well, I'm not surprised because it has been happening that Alphabet foster parents have been abusing foster kids for years and have not been really prosecuted, except in certain parts of the world where they don't play that. There's a reason why also Russia has banned same-sex adoption. Okay. Okay. So once again, I really can't, uh, I can't knock him for what he's doing. He's the only doing to protect his people. And he genuinely is doing that. And he's doing pretty much of a good job, basically beating the snot out of the Ukrainian military in war. And it's only going to get worse. But uh, let's see uh, what Mr. Zelensky, George Soros' puppet, is doing before um, Congress. Doing what he's doing best, begging. Let's get into that right now. Here we go.
1: Yes. Thank you so much, that, Thank you. It's too much for me. <laughs> all this for our great people. Thank you so much. Dear Americans, in all states, cities, and communities, all those who value freedom and justice, who cherish it as strongly as we Ukrainians, in all our cities, in each and every family. I hope my words of respect and gratitude resonate in each American heart. Madam.
0: My tax dollars are being used to fund Ukrainian Nazis, who brutalize their own people, high off of drugs. Hmm. And we're doing possibly God knows what before this war was actually became public to minority immigrants in Ukraine.
1: Vice President, I thank you For your efforts in helping ukraine madam speaker you bravely visited ukraine during the full-fledged war
0: that's a black woman up there too a black woman's up there and she's and she's just silent being up there hearing this man speak lies a man who if you tell the truth about what's going on with ukraine And those Nazis, he puts you on a kill list. There is no freedom in Ukraine. And, you know, black people who side with this. I want you to know they side with trying to not only free, trying to uh, they trying to win against Russia. They want the right to destroy you and kill you. All right. And those of you signed with Kanye West, I really want to know why do you do that? This man is for Hitler. And Kanye West is for Hitler. You should be denouncing Kanye West. Because this is this man embodies Hitler's work in our present day. This man is a little Hitler.
1: Thank you very much. Great time. Thank you.
0: The black people right here. The black people. Black people. See a black person right here too. Black person right here too. Get on my nerves.
1: Great privilege to be here dear members of the congress representatives of both parties who also visited kiev esteemed congressmen and senators
0: from both parties both parties support this republican and democrat it ain't just the the um ain't just the aoc you should be chewing out you chew out the republicans as well Cause Azov battalion came to Washington DC and they got support from Republicans. Look at who's supporting this war. People will make a profit off of these, um, making investments with these weapon manufacturers It's Republican and Democrat that are for white supremacy.
1: From both parties who will visit Ukraine. I'm sure in the future, Dear representatives of the diaspora, in this chamber and spread across the country, dear journalists. It's a great honor for me to be at the U.S. Congress and speak to you and all Americans. Against against all odds and doom and gloom scenarios, Ukraine didn't fall. Ukraine is alive and kicking.
0: it's alive on kicking barely you're making it sound like they fought a great battle and they're still alive they're victorious out of their own sheer will and might no 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 no. you lost a hundred thousand ukrainian military servicemen you are on life support right now my friend your whole country's on life support
1: And it gives me good reason to share with you our first first joint victory. We defeated Russia in the battle for minds of the world. We have no fear, nor should anyone in the world have it. Ukraine gained this victory, and it gives us courage, which inspires the entire world. Americans gained this victory and that's why you have succeeded in uniting the global community to protect freedom and international law. Europeans gained this victory and that's why Europe is now stronger and more independent than ever. The Russian tyranny has lost control over us it will never influence our minds again. Yet, we have to do whatever it takes to ensure that countries of the Global South also gain such victory. I know one more, I think very important thing. The Russians will stand a chance to be free only when they defeat the Kremlin in their minds. Yet, the battle continues and we have to defeat the Kremlin on the battlefield. Yes, this battle is not only for the territory, for this or another part of Europe. The battle is not only for life, freedom and security of Ukrainians, or any other nation which Russia attempts to conquer. This struggle will define in what world our children and grandchildren will live and then they are children and grandchildren it will define whether it will be a democracy of ukrainians and
0: the mop, you put bullets in people's heads if they don't agree with you if they don't put out the the press that you like democracy you are trying to revive hitler's dream of world domination and for
1: americans for all this battle cannot be frozen or postponed. It cannot be ignored, hoping that the ocean or something else will provide a protection. From the United States to China, from Europe to Latin America and from Africa to Australia, the world
0: is too interconnected. And: why you want Africa to help you out? you're very much against Africans. You don't like Africans. You want to keep them there, to try to force them to fight in your war against Russia. You tried to keep them there, but you made sure you treated them like animals, mainly to, you know, women and children.
1: interdependent to allow someone to stay aside and at the same time to feel safe when such a battle continues. Our two nations are allies in this battle. And next year will be a turning point, I know it, the point when Ukrainian courage and American resolve must guarantee the future of our common freedom the freedom of people who stand for their values. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, Americans, yesterday before coming here, to Washington, D.C., I was at the front line in our Bakhmut, in our stronghold in the east of Ukraine, in the Donbas. The Russian military and missionaries have been attacking Bakhmut nonstop since May. They have been attacking it day and night, but Bakhmut stands. Last year last year 70,000 people lived there in Bakhmut in this city and now only few civilians stay every inch of that land is soaked in blood roaring guns sound every hour trenches in the Donbas change hands several times a day in fierce combat and even hand fighting but the Ukrainian Donbas stands Russians, Russians use everything, everything they have against Bakhmut and other our beautiful cities. The occupiers have a significant advantage in artillery. They have an advantage in ammunition. They have much more missiles and planes than we ever had. And it's true, but our defense forces stand.
2: i oh, oh, uh, uh, proud of them. Your forehead. You mentioned fighting
0: Hitler, but you represent Hitler at the same time. Those of you who want to do some digging, you should go see a picture of Zelensky's front desk with the flags, and you'll see it with a swastika, with the colors yellow and blue, and you see a swastika. All right? Look into the symbols of the uh, Ukrainian army. You'll, you'll trace it back to... The same Nazi symbols from World War II, worn on the Nazis back then.
1: Putin's forces this Christmas. <laughs> Ukraine, Ukraine holds its lines and will never surrender. So-
0: If Ukraine does not surrender, you're looking but nothing but a bunch of graves for our country. Mass graves that will represent what Ukraine used to be. I still can't. You got black people. I can't get it. You got black people here in Congress clapping hands to this monster.
1: So so here is the front line. The tyranny which has no lack of cruelty against the lives of free people. And your support is crucial, not just to stand in such fight, but to get to the turning point to win on the battlefield. We have artillery, yes, thank you, we have it. Is it enough? Honestly, not really to ensure Bakhmut is not just a stronghold that holds back the Russian army, but for the Russian army to completely pull out more cannons and shells are needed. If so, just like the battle of Saratoga, the fight for Bakhmut will change the territory of our war for independence and for freedom. If your patriots stop the Russian terror against our cities, it will let Ukrainian patriots work to the full to defend our freedom. When Russia Russia cannot reach our cities but its artillery, it tries to destroy them with missile attacks. More than that, Russia found an ally in this in this genocidal policy, Iran. Iranian deadly drones sent to Russia in hundreds, and hundreds became a threat to our critical infrastructure. That is how one terrorist has found the other. It is just a matter of time when they will strike against your other allies. If we do not stop them now, we must
0: do it. I can't stomach this anymore. I really can't stomach this at all. I really can't. Because he's trying to make, you know, Russia the bad guy when he's really the bad guy, as well as the United States. Okay? That's what he's trying to do here. And any any of you who are anyone who is awake and understands what's going on, you can plainly see that uh this this is a lie. This is just a bunch of lies. Zelensky Ukraine is the threat. <laughs> Russia is trying to protect itself from the West trying to come after their gold and their money and to crush any morals that they ha- that, that is left. Okay. In this world. Because you see, all the Western countries, you know, their, their morals are down the toilet they're dealing with pedophilia they're dealing with um alphabet same-sex marriage with a lot of children getting sexually abused you see um women have to deal with alphabet uh alphabet transformer women in their prison cells now and the whole that's a horror story in and of itself so Putin is trying to protect you know He's trying to protect his way of life and his people which is being crushed here in America. And the more you find out about things the more it's it's like you're playing wolfenstein and it's a game that you don't want to play i don't know if any of you have you know people who are gamers and they played the game wolfenstein i forgot the name shadow of the colossus and that's like in a time where uh hitler won the war world war ii and now life is totally screwed up all right especially for minorities and this is what um And this is what it's slowly coming down to. As I said, I said before, all right, Azov Battalion, neo-Nazis, well engrafted into the Ukrainian military, went to the U.S. Washington, U.S. Capitol, and they got help from Republicans. Okay. That, that, that is something. Hold on one minute. One minute. Okay, we're back. All right. Now he's now Zelensky's talking about uh freedom and democracy, fighting for freedom. But what is this going on, Zelensky? War of the churches, how Ukraine has become unsafe for millions of Orthodox believers. Why Ukrainian nationalists and the state persecute parishioners of the country's largest church. If you believe in God, I beg you, leave the church. Let me bury my son. Grief-stricken woman screams, kneeling in the snow in front of the priest. He is surrounded by Ukrainian officials and territorial defense fighters who are there to help him seize the church. A woman begs in Ukrainian to stop. Her son went to the front and died in the battles for the city of Bakhmut. Mm. Prayed in this church And now the mother wants to Bid him goodbye he Didn't let me pray in front of the icon yesterday You men beat me up I beg you To leave and let me bury Volodya. Both the woman and the priest Are orthodox Christians But decades and even centuries Of political and ecclesiastical turmoil On the territory of modern Ukraine Has created a chasm Between believers which has grown wider since Russia's military offensive began earlier this year. Hmm. Let's see what's going on here. One
3: second. Я стану на колінах перед вами. Поставте це. Кудайте, щоб мені з дитиною у доте
1: виказувати. Що ви не знімаєте? От людина. Ви не господар зробили.
3: Ви я вас <проб> прошу
1: до суботи. Дайте ви, мені жити. Дайте мені дитину, дитину співати. Я на колінах перед вами стою. Я прошу, уйдіть. Дайте мені жити. Дайте мені дитину співати. Ви мене вчора ви не пустили в церкву до їх ікони.
0: Ви Хлопці били мене! Я прошу, уйдіть, дайте мені,
3: помозі похоронити. Як це Андрій, що він це, це, вий вий, вий. Mantle, не забирали, так таке? Видайте мені сюди в церкву, зайди, похоронить мою дитину, відспівати!
2: Йдіть,
1: я да вас з Богом ви, прошу. Ну,
2: якщо ви зайдете Григория.
3: сюди, вона не, не буде відспіватися з дитиною. Я не хочу,
2: я не хочу, щоб ви навіть були присутні. А що ви робите? А що ви робите? Що ви робите? Ви забираєте наш храм нашим, ми його не...
3: навіть.
0: This is what's going on, man. This is what's going on. In Ukraine, which is considered an orthodox church country, not all believers feel comfortable and safe. This is because of the actions of the state. RT explores why Kiev has forgotten Christians' vows of love thy neighbor while believers prepare to use force against their own. Sad, man. Sad. This is what's going on in, in Ukraine. All right. We have these uh, officials coming in, defense fighters, and they're seizing churches now. So what exactly is going on, Zelensky? What, what exactly is going on when you talk about freedom? What is this freedom you, you claim about? It doesn't seem like the Ukrainian citizens are getting free, this type of treatment. It seems like you're pressing your own. Let's see what Henry Kissinger has to say about this this freedom and thinking that they could beat Ukraine. Let's see what Henry Kissinger has to say about that. Second. A lot of people don't want to hear that too. Gonna, they're gonna fight, they're gonna the Ukrainians. Oh, we're gonna fight, we're gonna win, we're gonna, <clears throat> yeah, okay. Henry Kissinger's Road Let's Taken Love him or hate him, one must respect the experience and legitimacy of America's foremost practitioner, real politic Henry Kissinger. In a recent opinion piece he authored for the spectator. Kissinger laid out a case for diplomatic resolution to the Ukraine conflict. To no one's surprise, the American elder statesman has come under a ferocious attack from the Ukrainian government and the proxies and supporters for daring to suggest that Ukraine would be better served by promoting a diplomatic resolution to the conflict as opposed to waiting in vain for a Ukrainian military victory that will more than likely never come. Seems like a smart man. As co cogent and pragmatic, the Kissinger approach appeared to be more on the surface. However, the substance of his argument relies certain factual predicts, predicates, which reveal the reality of that what Kissinger passes off as a negotiated peace would t- constitute a Russian defeat. In short, the Kissinger plan has no chance of coming to fruition. Kissinger's pro-NATO, pro-Ukraine bias is exposed early on in his article. I have repeatedly expressed my support he writes for the allied military effort to thwart Russia's aggression in Ukraine in one fell swoop the mass of diplomacy boots, the historical record which shows that neither Ukraine nor Germany operated in good faith when embracing the Minsk accords of 2014 and 2015 instead using the agreement as little more than a device by time until the Ukrainian military could be trained and equipped to prevail against Russia in the Donbass and Crimea. Peace was never the an option, only war. Kissinger has not abandoned his position that Russia is the aggressor in the, this conflict. What he does endorse, however, is the notion that Russia cannot be defeated, all right, disguised into reality, and that Ukraine should accept a peace deal thereby mitigating against further territorial loss at the hands of Russia, but the time is approaching because there notes to build on strategic advantages, strategic changes, sorry, which has already been accomplished and to integrate them into a new structure towards achieving peace through negotiation. The former secretary of state likewise undermines any gravitas. His argument might contain by engaging in. The kind of fantasy-driven optimism that normally is only found in the most fanatic of Ukrainian propaganda. Ukraine, Kissinger declares, has become a major state in Central Europe for the first time in modern history. Ukraine was a train wreck of a nation before its conflict with Russia. And 10 months of warfare have only worsened its condition. Yeah, they need to surrender. The fact that they're still around says something. They're still alive and kicking. I think they're on life support. I think I said that in the beginning of the, the beginning of the video. Yeah, they're on life support. The fantasy continues, aided by its allies, Kinsky says, and inspired by its president, Volodymyr Zelensky. Ukraine has stymied the Russian conventional forces, which have been overhanging overhanging Europe since the Second World War. The fact is that Ukraine is left to its if left to its own devices would have seen its army divisively defeated by Russia back in the summer of 2022. The infusion of tens of billions of dollars of advanced NATO weaponry, along with thousands of highly trained Western mercenaries backed by NATO intelligence, communications, and operation planning expertise, has allowed the Ukrainian military to extend its life while dealing with some significant setbacks to the Russian military. But Russia, thanks to mobilization of some 300,000 reservists, including 150,000 of whom have already been integrated into the Russian force structure, deployed into the zone of military operation, has stabilized the situation at the front, blunting all Ukrainian offensive operations in the South and North while grinding down Ukrainian, while grinding down Ukrainian defenses along the Don's front. Far from the stalemate, Russia is about to deploy 10 to 15 divisions worth of combat power in the SMO theater of operations. An offensive warfare capability for which Ukraine currently has no answer for. Kissinger's battlefield delusion has has clouded his sense of Ukraine's geopolitical worth. According to Kissinger, Ukraine's battlefield proneness has mooted the original issues regarding Ukraine's membership in NATO. Ukraine, Kissinger continues, has acquired one of the largest and most effective land armies in Europe. Equipped by American and its allies, a peace process should link Ukraine to NATO. However, expressed, the alternative neutrality is no longer meaningful, especially after Finland and Sweden joined NATO. Kissinger's article was written after the General is interview with the economist during which time Ukrainian general pointed out the harsh reality that without an additional fusion of 300 main battle tanks 500 infantry vehicles 500 artillery pieces of plus ammunition Ukrainian military would not be able to either carry out effective offensive operations or adequately defend themselves from Russian forces gathering in the region the largest and most effective land army in Europe. The title no applies if it ever in fact did burn down. To the Ukrainian army today, its manpower has been decimated and its combat equipment eviscerated since it undertook large-scale counter-offensive operations against Russia in late August. Moreover, the Ukrainian army achieved this status by getting ground up in combat operations that have witnessed the overwhelming quantity of the NATO weapon and equipment provided by NATO to Ukraine being destroyed on the battlefield by Russian forces. While Kishnaya did not concede that Russia may have the upper hand in fighting in the southern Russia today, he does acknowledge. That it is, in fact, Ukraine that finds itself stemming and in need of viable off ramp from the current combat. The pre war dividing line between Ukraine and Russia cannot be achieved by combat or by negotiation, consider notes. Recourse to the principle of self determination could be explored. Internationally supervised referendums concerning the self determination could be applied to particularly divisive territories, which have changed hands repeatedly over the centuries. The main problem with this line of thinking is that it postulates the possible the notion that Russia will be willing to freely surrender sovereignty over some of all, all the territories that have been incorporated into the Russian Federation since this conflict began. Simply put, this will not happen because legally speaking, it cannot happen. The Russian constitution forbids it. Kissinger then goes on to play the level of peacemaker, listing all the consideration Russia should be shown by victorious West when it comes to Managing defeat, its historical role should be not be degraded. Kissinger declares. Reality is this: Ukraine is not going to win this war. It's not. There's no way to slice it. They need to surrender. Russia is not going to surrender. Surrender for what? What would they be surrendering for? They have the advantage. They're the ones still making trades. They're the ones um, forming bricks. Okay? They're sitting on black gold. They have gold. Okay? And the fact of the matter is people are waking up to this war. That it's not good. That Western powers are backing a racist and oppressive nation like Ukraine. And you have neo-Nazis fleeing to Ukraine because they've committed hate crimes in other countries. People are getting fed up. But Russia's not going to lose here. Ukraine is going to lose big because they keep... Trying to fight somebody that has a significant bigger advantage than them. And the United States is in some serious trouble, as well as other Western European nations, because they depend heavily on Russia. All right, moving on. So let's check out this 19 states get temporary stay in title 42 appeal.
3: U.S. Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts issued a temporary stay on the expiration of Title 42. The Trump administration policy put into effect during the pandemic allowed migrants to be expelled without letting them request asylum. It was set to lift on Wednesday. Several Republican-led states including Texas filing an appeal to the nation's highest court Monday seeking to keep Title 42 in effect.
0: It's gonna be catastrophic not just for Texas but for the United States of America.
3: Buses carrying dozens more migrants rolled into New York City this morning as Mayor Eric Adams warned that the possible lifting of Title 42 this week would lead to a surge of asylum seekers and overwhelm the city's already overburdened systems.
0: We are building out that which is within our span of control, but we need help from the federal and state government.
3: Border cities scrambling to find shelter for thousands of migrants as temperatures continue to drop. City officials in El Paso, Texas declaring a state of emergency. The White House is asking Congress for $3.5 billion in funding to To assist with the influx of asylum seekers and says there is already an historic number of Department of Homeland Security agents at the border. DHS has deployed additional agents and uh, processing capabilities to El Paso and 23,000 agents are working to secure the southern border. U.S. Border Patrol made a record 2.2 million apprehensions along the southern border this past budget year. A White House spokesperson says the administration has a, quote, robust effort underway to safely manage the border once the policy ends. In New York, Alexis Christophoris, ABC News.
0: Title 42 on hold after Roberts grants temporary stay in state's appeal to keep restriction. Supreme Court Justice John Roberts' money temporarily stopped the expiration of the immigration restriction, Title 42, which was scheduled to lift on Wednesday after 19 states filed an appeal. Roberts' brief order did not discuss the merits of the case. Administrative stay gives the justices enough time to consider the state's appeal in light of the looming deadline for title 42 to the end roberts ordered response to his order to be filed by tuesday the states had asked the supreme court to intervene and keep the title 42 in place contending that not doing so would cause crisis of unprecedented proportions at the border getting rid of title 42 was recklessly and needlessly endanger more americans and immigrants by exacerbating the catastrophe that is occurring at our southern border arizona attorney general mark bronovich said in a statement Unlawful crossing are estimated to surge from 7,000 per day to as many as 18,000 per day. The policy known as Title 42 started in 2020 under President Trump in the early days of COVID-19 pandemic and has since been used to expel immigrants from the southern border more than 2.4 million times on the basis of public health concerns. Due to the rapid nature of expulsion, which usually takes place in a matter of hours, Access to asylum and other humanitarian protections is sharply curtailed. The American Civil Liberties Union and other advocates have been waging a legal battle against the order, claiming it violates federal and international law. In Monday application for a stay, the states, which mostly Republican led, again er- argued that lifting the Title 42 will create an influx of unauthorized immigrants who
2: will unduly burden their-
0: Hold on a second. Okay, so now we're going to check out uh, why TCS is in trouble now.
4: preference and discrimination two very different words during a regular conversation they are sometimes used interchangeably like Europe prefers white migrants from Ukraine or Europe discriminates against black or brown skinned migrants from Ukraine but when you put these two words in the context of a workspace or in reference to a job sector then they cannot be more different. And I'm saying this because of a certain development in the United States. You see TCS or Tata Consultancy Services has been sued for discrimination. A white former worker has accused TCS of discriminating against non-South Asian and non-Indian candidates. The complainant's name is Sean Katz. He claims to have worked for TCS for nine years before he was let go. Katz has now filed a lawsuit in New Jersey where he says that TCS discriminates against whites. Discriminates against whites or prefers people with a certain skill set. Question. Katz says TCS has an inventory of so-called visa-ready workers, and it brings South Asian and Indian workers to the U.S. Why is that? Are H-1B workers cheaper? No, they are not. If anything, H-1B holders are among the highest paid workers. So how would TCS benefit from hiring them? Well, in terms of skills, you see, Indians are a reliable source of talent for information technology, software development, or jobs requiring advanced tech skills. And TCS is an IT company. Many a times it requires skills that Indians and South Asians have or master. Can you take a company to court for looking for a perfect match in its employees? I don't think so. You must have come across job postings that say a degree degree in engineering is the minimum requirement, but those with IT experience will be preferred That happens in almost every job sector. Say I'm hiring for a role in the newsroom tomorrow. I will prefer people with journalism background, people who come with certain skill sets, be it news reading or editing. TCS reportedly has some 40,000 employees in the U.S. and most of them are I.T. workers. So it makes sense that vacancies are often filled by Indians or South Asians because in I.T they are the best talent in the in the business and like I was saying it appears to be more of a case of preference and not discrimination now the disgruntled worker says TCS is biased when it comes to promotions as well in his lawsuit cat says he qualified for promotion for many years but he was never promoted now that's something only the employer will be able to explain Did TCS not think Katz had the soft skills for the next level or was Katz overselling his case? What really happened? We don't know. What we can tell you, though, is that this U.S. worker says in TCS, Americans are also placed on the bench between assignments more frequently. What exactly is benching? It happens when you have finished a project and you are yet to take on the next one. And the time in between is called being benched. You get your regular salary and your employee benefits without much work in return. Sometimes no work at all. Katz's lawsuit says Americans remain benched for longer periods and which puts them at the risk of languishing on the bench and subsequently being fired. See, one thing we must note at this point is that all of these are just one person's claim. We don't know how much of it is true or how much of it should be taken with a pinch of salt. But here's the thing about benching. Companies like TCS cannot bench an Indian who is on a visa or a South Asian on visa, courtesy the legal issues. You see, there are times when companies bench workers without pay. This happens especially when the business is slow, like during the pandemic. So workers are furloughed. They remain a part of the company, but without pay. Now, the legal issue here is that companies cannot bench an H-1B employee. The American labor law expects employers to pay the stipulated wage to a worker who is on visa, even for their unproductive time. And this ends up becoming expensive for companies like TCS or subjects them to legit lawsuits. Take, for example, the 2013 case of Daibun Solution. The Indian-American company was indicted for paying H-1B workers only when there was work. Now, TCS is a reputable private company, so it makes sense for it to abide by the American laws and human resource practices. Here's one thing I want to put on record. In no way are we trying to defend TCS or present a case on its behalf or take sides. It's just that we are baffled by the absurdity of the claim. How can a company operating on a foreign land discriminate against the land's own citizens locals and be biased towards minorities? If true, the case stands to question TCS's credentials. And it won't be the first. In 2015, too, TCS was slapped with a lawsuit. Back then, too, the company was accused of discriminating against non-South Asian workers. A white worker had accused TCS of having a substantial anti-American sentiment. TCS is not alone. Other Indian IT firms like Infosys, HCL Tech, Wipro have also faced similar lawsuits. But tell me one thing. Do you think a country with substantial anti-American sentiment can exist and operate in America? TCS has survived Donald Trump's America, also his order of Buy American and Hire American. Also think about it, which company will hire a candidate who needs an H-1B? Months, uh, wait months for his or her arrival, gamble on the chance of her getting the visa, spend on the legal costs, the paperwork, if you have talent back at home. Would it not be better to hire the local workers? We
0: on. All... Okay, so they may have survived Trump's America, but I don't think they will survive much of Biden's if this keeps happening. Now, the issue here is the fact that they thought they could do this. Now, it's been already said with an, in, with an Indian culture that it can be very racist. All right, numerous stories of them—you know—people who have went to India. And it can be very racist, and they're very much for uh, bowing down to white culture. That's how how many of these nations are. Africa, um, Indian, Spanish, very much so. That's what they do. But when they come over here, all right, and they set up businesses, they will try to pull that stunt of only hiring um, people of their own skin. They learn from white supremacy and they want to practice the same way and think they could get away with it on foreign soil. That's where they mess up. Okay, that's the issue where they mess up. And if that claim is true, they're in a world of hurt. Like I said, they may have survived Trump's America, but they're not going to survive Biden's. Okay, On to the next one. Okay. Okay. China is Chinese government is down bad. That's all I got to say with this new story right here. Okay, here we go.
2: 50 million people in China might have caught the COVID-19 virus in the first 20 days of December. The figure is according to an internal estimate of Beijing health officials accessed by the Financial Times and also Bloomberg News. The numbers were reportedly presented during an internal meeting of the National Health Commission. For our viewers, on cannot independently verify these numbers. This accounts for almost 18% of Chinese population being infected just this month. With the reported figure, this is the biggest COVID-19 outbreak China has seen in the last three years. The copy of the NHC meeting has been circulating on Chinese social media. Its authenticity has still not been verified. Neither has the NHC addressed the issue. Part of the estimates accessed by both the publications report that on Tuesday this week, some 37 million people were infected with COVID-19 in China. Now, these are all fresh infections and stand in a stark contrast when compared to Beijing's official tally that stood at around 3,000 on that particular day. The Financial Times said that it was China's Deputy Director of Center for Disease Control and Prevention, Sun Yang, who presented the figures to the officials. Sun also reportedly briefed that China's COVID cases are still rising and that more than half of the population in major cities which is Beijing and and Shanghai, have already been infected. What remains unclear is how the NHC came up with the reported estimate. Note that China has dropped the testing mandate, focus has been shifted to self-test kits, and their people aren't required to submit their results. China, moreover, has also stopped putting out a tally for asymptomatic cases. Chinese government has been accused of underplaying the health crisis. Apart from the infections, Beijing has acknowledged only seven deaths from COVID-19 in the past two weeks. While pictures from the ground suggest a far greater death toll, with videos of constantly burning crematoriums and lines outside the funeral homes are doing the rounds. Now, for more on this, we are being joined by Aynar Tangan, who is a political and economic commentator from Beijing. Welcome to the broadcast, Mr. Tangan. Now, not to alarm our viewers, but these are some very shocking figures we are getting from China. 250 million people infected within 20 days. How are you assessing this?
5: Oh, well, quite frankly, I, I, as you said, uh, it's very difficult to know that these ac- numbers are accurate. I wouldn't be surprised if they were. Uh, the spread. Uh, I live in Beijing. The spread of the, of the uh, of COVID has been extremely sharp and um, very, very pervasive. In fact, I really don't know anybody who, uh, either hasn't had it before. Or doesn't have it now, and that's the stark contrast. Three weeks ago, I've been hard pressed to tell you anybody I know who had it who had not been abroad. But you know, let's take a you know drop back a little bit and understand a few things. First off, uh, if there's in fact two, um, and fifty million uh, symptomatic cases, there's a multiple of that of a as- of that number that's asymptomatic. That could be well over forty uh, percent. Um, And that would be a very conservative estimate. So um, it's clear that the government believes that this is a very mild variant, um, that it will have some consequences. They're trying to sort it out. uh, But at the end, this is the uh, pathway to emerge from uh, the past COVID uh, uh, protocols.
2: Mr. Tangan, if the cases really are about 250 million, less or more, then I want to ask you, do you think the COVID death that has been told by Beijing at 7, is this true?
5: I I would have I find it hard to believe that that's an accurate count given the fact that I've I've talked to people I know personally, and they've uh, accounted for six deaths um, and those people are here in Beijing. So um, there's also been reported deaths in the news of senior um, people, uh, a lot of people in their upper 70s and 80s even 90s uh, who are of course at more risk. The difficulty is how do you count those? I mean, um, you can say that it was COVID, but quite frankly, uh, a lot of people at that age, uh, they're basically at a precipice and a bad cold, pneumonia, any number of regular flu uh, can push them over the uh, precipice, uh, just deterioration of the body and things like that. So it's going to be, I think they're trying to figure out exactly what the death toll is and how to categorize them. Uh, But end result, Uh, There are going to be deaths. Uh, The question is, is it going to be like a flu uh, where you have, um, you know, like somewhere between 0.3 and 0.5 percent um, mortality? Or is it going to be uh, larger like COVID was in the beginning, which was about four times that number? Uh, The current data uh, from around the world indicates that the uh, virus is much more transmissible, but far less deadly, and it's getting down to where it's flu-like levels.
2: Right now, just going back to a point you made earlier, the WHO chief is extremely concerned, especially about the way Beijing is counting the deaths related to COVID. I want to ask you, what is China's reasoning behind not counting deaths that occur in patients with pre-existing illnesses?
5: I, I, I could not. Uh, I'm not privy to that kind of uh, information. Uh, I think given the numbers that you mentioned, if they are in fact true, uh, then it's going to be very difficult to get accurate tallies and t- for a while. I mean, we're talking about the space of about three weeks now uh, where you've had uh, you know, a very, very fast influx. Uh, what it generally means, though, is that uh, uh, this probably will spread throughout China. And uh, there will be uh, consequences, obviously, as I talked about before, uh, and the you know the studies that have been done by JAMA, uh, New England Journal uh, uh, of Medicine, uh, by Lancet, et cetera, uh, do confirm that uh, the virus is becoming less um, less deadly. So if China is able to has opened the doors at the right moment, it will save lives and will be able to tell that once the statistics are released. I do believe that China will eventually get there. The question is, they might be overwhelmed at this point.
2: All right, Mr. Tangen, just before I let you go, one last question. Medics in Chinese hospitals are saying, and I'm quoting here, they have been told if you test positive and experience mild symptoms, you should continue to work. Why is China trying to change the protocol that the rest of the world faces because these kind of outbreaks have happened in the past or across the globe but this is not the kind of directive that the hospitals have been given.
5: Um, actually, uh, that's not technically true. Uh, Europe and America have stopped testing. Um, basically, uh, you can you can do home tests, but there's nothing out there. Although uh, Biden is concerned about a, a fresh uh, slew of cases, and he's sending uh, test test kits home, but there's no requirement to register those. So we really don't know who is uh, symptomatic, who is asymptomatic, and could spread it, uh, and whether they have mild symptoms. I mean, I had. COVID myself, um, I had three days of discomfort, basically a fever. I didn't even take medications. Um, Other people I know are between one and five. uh, A number of people were obviously infected because they were in close proximity to people who were, uh, but they were asymptomatic. So at this juncture, I believe that China believes that it has opened up at the right time. And that, uh, although there will be fatalities, uh, there's really no way to have it both ways. You cannot open your economy and expect that everything will be absolutely perfect.
2: All right, Mr. Natang, and thank you.
0: Yeah. Uh, our Chinese government don't know what
2: the hell they're doing.
0: And uh, there's a reason why they're <laughs> the, the, the rich, the Chinese rich, they, they're running away. Well, they, um, common citizens they're running away too all right well that's all I got for now and um, hope that uh this was entertaining as well as informative for you and uh, that you like the stream okay check me out on rumble you can check me out on uh twitter all way you can check me out you can check the description box you can see where i'm also hanging out in these streets later like share comment subscribe